For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. We're back and better than ever. Our eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back on to start another football season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, Bet Online continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. That's double your initial deposit just for signing up. Don't forget to use promo code NFL100. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet all of your favorite sports. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. It's it up to McCaffrey. There he goes. It's a C-back attack. This is Desmond Johnson on the Believe and Carolina Panthers podcast here on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe if you enjoy the show, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. We're available in your favorite directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can also find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcast on Twitter. <laughs> And welcome into a victory Monday here um, on the Believe in Carolina Panthers podcast. Desmond Johnson kicking it here with you with Sports Illustrated Skylar Callahan. Uh, just it's odd feeling, Skylar. It's odd yeah. to have uh, <laughs> two victory Mondays back to back. We're not used to that. Haven't had it in a couple of years and uh, just super impressed with this uh, Panthers team. We'll go through our three takeaways like we do each week for uh, this previous game, this divisional game, uh, Panthers versus the Saints that happened this past Sunday. We'll get you ready for Thursday night football, NFL Network, the Panthers traveling to Houston to take on uh, an interesting Houston Texans team. Um, and we'll also quickly go around the league, things that me and Skylar saw and heard uh, over the course of this weekend, this past weekend, uh, that kind of uh, stroked our interest, so to speak, in terms of what's going on around the league. Skylar, what's up, man? What's going on? How was your weekend? It was good, man. I hope yours was. Uh, it was. It was a lot of fun to to be able to sit there and watch that game yesterday. And you know, I I, I know coming into this game, everyone was talking about you know eight of the last nine and all that stuff. But you know, it was just good to to kind of see what the Panthers are going to be able to do against the team that is expected to compete in the division, whether they were out, you know, seven, eight players, whatever it was, seven, eight coaches. Um, I mean, it, it was just – it was good to see. It was, it was, like we said, going into this, this was a barometer kind of game to kind of measure yourself. And I thought I thought they responded well. So, yeah, I can't wait to get into it. So, before we before we start our three takeaways from this game, uh, Panthers and Saints, uh, from this past Sunday, Panthers moving on to 2-0, and wanted to talk really quick about Balance 7. Um, this is for – basically for active folks that have gotten a little bit older and they're starting to feel a little bit. How do you – rejuvenate your body again. Uh, that's basically where Balance 7 comes in. Balance 7 is a pH-balancing alkaline supplement drink. It's like vitamins or supplements in liquid form. Just one ounce of this a day, three times a day, and in a week, you'll start to see the effects. You can see how Balance 7 has helped. 
And right now, if you go to balance7.com and use the promo code believe, that's B-L-E-A-V, you'll get $10 off of your 32-ounce bottle. The bottle lasts 11 days, which is the perfect amount of time to fill a pH balancing drink, go to work. Again, that's balance7.com. Use the code believe at checkout. If it worked for many athletes across different spectrums and different types of sports, it can work for you too. I'm thinking about maybe buying a bottle for myself because I'm having trouble just getting in and out of the bed and I'm only 42 years old and got a bad back and <laughs> bad knees and everything else. So I'm considering getting a bottle for myself. So if I'm getting one, then maybe you should get one too. That's a balance seven. Let's get into our three takeaways from this game. Panthers versus saints uh, this past Sunday on Fox Panthers moved to two and O on the season uh, with this win. And and more importantly, Skylar, this was a, a divisional victory. So this uh, actually carried some even extra weight for a week two type contest. Panthers victorious 26 to seven uh, in this matchup. Let's uh, let's let's go back and forth here with our takeaways from this uh, this matchup here. I'll let you go first, Skylar. What was one of, the, one of your uh, biggest takeaways? Yeah. So first, my first one is going to be kind of broad. And, and I wrote something about it earlier today. And it, it's it's talking about how, you know, there, there's a difference between a young team that is in a rebuilding stage and is just, you know, not going to have very much of a chance of being competitive. And then there's a young team that is confident. And, and that's what the Panthers are right now. And a young, confident team is a dangerous team because a lot of these guys, they haven't experienced winning in the NFL. And and some of these guys have like Hassan Reddick and Morgan Fox, they've been on winning teams. You bring them into the, into this defense. And all of a sudden you're starting to see the defense play at a high level. You're seeing guys like Sam Darnold and Frankie Louvu come from the New York jets, who was obviously a disaster. They're in a much better situation and in a much better organization, at, at least from a, a trust and, and belief perspective. And now you're seeing these guys just play with extreme amount of confidence and when you get these two games, you know, with the Jets and, and the Saints, you know, first week everyone's like, ah, it's just the Jets. Well, now it's it's week two. You beat the Saints, beat them soundly, and everyone says, well, you know, they had this many guys out, this many coaches out. At the end of the day, all that matters is, is that win because that's what this team is looking to build on. They're not going to look back at this game four, five, six weeks from now and say, well, one of the Panthers' four or five wins in the first – two months were against the Saints, the uh, depleted Saints team. That was the case, but we won't really revisit that or hear that again until these two teams meet again at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. What all, all this matters is that they won the game because the more wins you stack on top of each other, the more dangerous this team gets because they're going to start believing in themselves. And that's one team that you don't want to get uh, to get to that point because when you have a young team that is extremely – you know, confident in themselves, they believe they can they can win. They're going to start being that scrappy team that probably ends up beating teams they shouldn't beat. Maybe even like New Orleans later in the year, down in New Orleans with a with pretty much their entire crew back. So, you know, right now, that that's kind of my my first point is that you know this team is dangerous when they're confident. They're playing with a lot of confidence right now. They've got two wins. There's a very good chance they're going to have win number three here in a couple of days against Houston. And, you know, who knows where it goes from there, but at least you're getting three wins right off the bat. That's going to make that confidence sky high. Yeah. Um, actually, to me, uh, everything you just said, 110 percent accurate. We mentioned it, I think, on one of these earlier podcasts or a segment on the Panthers or something to that effect where I, I'd mentioned some parallels to Seattle 
uh, when Pete Carroll yeah. first got there. And I'm starting to really feel that now. Uh, defensive led, run the ball, have a quarterback that doesn't make mistakes for the most part, um, and, and just kind of let your defense win games for you. And that's kind of what it feels like is happening now. My biggest takeaway from this is the defense. The defense is not good. It's elite. Like, I'm willing to go ahead and put that out there right now. Like, the last week could have been chalked up as a fluke uh, or a one-time thing or it's the Jets. Uh, but week two, say <laughs> week two, though, like, you know, versus the Saints, uh, after the entire sports world lavished praise on them for beating the bricks off the Packers a week earlier, 38 to three for them to turn around and to turn in the type of game that they turned in yesterday against the saints offense. That was enough of an eye opener for me to be like, okay, as long as they're healthy, I'd put this defense up against anybody in the league right now, uh, the way they're playing. They're currently leading the league in yards allowed per game points allowed per game, passing yards allowed per game rushing yards allowed per game, sacks, quarterback hits, and defensive third down percentage. And that last one is the hugest leap for me because that was their main problem last year. They couldn't get off the field on third down, and uh, teams were just skating up and down the the field on them. This team, it's like you don't know exactly who to key in on. They have a a legit Pro Bowl-type star at every level of the three levels of their defense, whether it's on the defensive line, the, the entire defensive line is playing out of their minds right now. Uh, at linebacker, Shaq Thompson's having a fantastic year. And in the secondary, J.C. Horn and Dante Jackson just making plays. Um, they're just constantly flashing on my screen. I'm super excited with what Phil Snow is doing with his defense. I take everything back I said about the man last year <laughs> in terms of what the schemes he was running and everything else. I get it. He didn't have all the horses. Uh, it was a weird year. COVID, no crowds. No uh, preseason, no training camp, no mini camps, just a bunch of Zoom for a new coaching regime. So, so looking back on it in hindsight, I get it. But the I think some of the league is actually starting to take notice. And usually it takes a couple of weeks before the league notices the Panthers. I actually heard some people today giving the Panthers props on national media outlets. Kay Adams on uh, Good Morning Football on NFL Network gave the game ball to the Panther defense. Uh, Dan Orlovsky mentioned the Panthers were for real uh, on get up this morning, which was kind of a shock to me. Not a lot of people were throwing back that whole, well, the Saints were missing this and missing that or whatnot. It felt like they were giving the Panthers their proper due. So my, my first takeaway is that this this defense is not good. This defense is elite and it's going to be hovering around the top of the rankings for the rest of the year. Yeah, and I think the the one thing that I think a lot of people are forgetting, yeah, the, the Saints are missing a lot of pieces, but a lot of those pieces were on the defensive side of the ball, at least Correct. most of them. Yep. And you know, last week when the pack when they just absolutely throttled the Packers, it was the same group. They didn't have Michael Thomas against the Packers. They didn't have their center for most of the game against the Packers. So it was the same offense. It wasn't the defense that that was. You know, you, you can you can say things about the defense and understandably so, but. Their offense was the exact same from last week, and they just got outmanned. And I think that's that's really my second takeaway is how dominant the defensive line was from Carolina because this is a really, really good New Orleans offensive line. Like, this is mm-hmm. no joke. Maybe they, one of the best in the league, yeah. Yeah, maybe a top three, top four offensive line in the entire NFL. And it seemed like they were in Jameis's face constantly. And I know Matt Rule said today that – he, he wouldn't really use the word dominant, but the, I mean, I, I, if that wasn't dominance, I, I mean, I don't know what you consider dominance. Yeah. I, I guess he's striving for perfection, but 
I, I think that was one of the biggest things that surprised me because I, I felt like they were going to be able to get some pressure on him. But, I mean, how much have we seen in, in years past where Drew Brees just did, stuck back there and just rarely ever got touched? He gets the ball out so quick. And Jameis is obviously a different quarterback. He holds on to a little bit longer, which kind of helps. But I just I just felt like they won those one-on-one battles of, uh, a lot more than they lost them. And, and I think you're going to see guys like – Morgan Fox and Daquan Jones, guys that don't get the respect because, you know, there's obviously Brian Burns and Deshaun Reddick and such. Those guys are going to step up and make a difference this year, too. Yeah, the depth is insane. Uh, just thinking back to just 12 months ago where that was one of the Panthers' main problems, that they just didn't have the depth. They had dudes playing that hadn't played football in years, guys they pulled off the street four days before. <laughs> they were playing in the secondary, like uh, just journeyman at running back. Like it was crazy. And this year so far – knock on wood, that they're going to be able to, you know, keep this going. So my second takeaway from this game, Panthers versus Saints in week two, maybe, the maybe just maybe, the Panthers front office, maybe they knew what they were doing by not drafting a quarterback at number eight where Justin McDonough was still sitting there. Maybe they knew that Sam Darnold could do what they were asking him to do because I have literally – had zero complaints about Darnold, even that weird like handoff interception thing that happened in like the third quarter. Uh, that, I, I'm not expecting him to be perfect. And that was a weird kind of play. If you take that play away, I, honestly, I think the defense pitches a shutout yesterday because uh, that put the Saints like on the, like, like the 15 yard line or something crazy when it happened. But uh, Darnold's stats through week two, I can't complain. He's he's completing 68.5% of his completions. Uh, three touchdowns to one interception, uh, almost 12 yards per catch, 100.5 passer rating. He's had seven bad throws in two games. Like that's yeah. just that's that's just immaculate. You know what I mean? And for a Panther fan, it's odd for us because we're not used to immaculate play at quarterback. We're used to erratic play at quarterback. Now, usually you, we would take the good with the bad, whether it was Cam Cam Newton or Jake Delhomme. I mean, you're talking a good almost 15 plus years of Panther history, just between those two quarterbacks. And both of those guys would drive fans insane. You know, like we wouldn't know which guy would show up some days. Uh, the accuracy wasn't exactly there. Both of them are a shade under 60% for their career. And uh, this is different. This is different seeing a guy like Sam Darnold, who seems like he's having fun because he finally has people around him, not just like skill positions, but like a team, he's got like a defense that he can he can lie he can rely on. He's got, in my opinion, the best running back in the league and Christian McCaffrey behind him, and he has a coaching staff. People forget that Adam Gaze was this dude's like <laughs> coach <laughs> for like a year, and uh, he had I think he had three different coaches in three years, three different offensive coordinators in three years. Uh, Robbie Anderson was really the only offensive talent he had. And he got sent off. I mean, he just hadn't had anything up in New York. And now we're starting to see why uh, he was drafted, you know, as highly as he was three years ago. There was something during the broadcast I wanted to mention before I kick it back to you. Uh, They were talking, the announcers were talking about Sam Darnold. I think it was Daryl Moose Johnson that was talking about it. And he was saying that he was talking to Troy Aikman uh, when Darnold was coming out. And they were asking about the other quarterbacks in the class and everything else. And Aikman had got a chance to work with some of these quarterbacks. And see him up close. And he was like, yeah, this guy's going to be all right. That guy's going to be good. But I'll tell you what, the dude that's ready to play on day one is Sam Darnold. And as I after I heard that comment from Moose and started watching Darnold play through the rest of the game, it dawned on me, 
Sam Darnold is kind of like Troy Aikman in terms of how he plays. Like he, he's very accurate. He's got weapons. He knows where to go with them. Not afraid to check down. He rarely makes mistakes. And if he just plays his game, he's going to win more than he loses if he's got the right pieces around him. And that was Troy Aikman definition to a T. So I could see why Troy would be so high on Sam. And that's not bad, Panther fans, to have a quarterback that Troy Aikman kind of sees a little bit of himself in. Uh, I would I would take that all week and twice on Sunday. So that was my second biggest takeaway, that Sam Darnold might have actually been a better option than Justin Fields or Mac Jones at number eight. And overall, as a whole, taking uh, J.C. Horn at cornerback was better for this team than it would have been to take a rookie quarterback. He just looks so much more comfortable. He like, and it goes back to my first point with playing such high confidence. Like he just, it's almost like he knows, you know, what's around him. He, he's never going to tell to say it to the media, but I mean, he he just never had it in New York, and I think now he knows he's got ballers around him. He's got some guys up front that it's not maybe not the best offensive line, but it's at least a step up from where he was. See, so, yeah, I, I totally agree, and I, I think he's going to be a really, really good quarterback here. So, And my, my third and final point is that they've got to figure something out in, in terms of this running back rotation because I, I believe I saw it was McCaffrey has 59 touches through two games. Yeah. I mean, that, that's a lot of touches. And, we, and this is going to be something we're going to keep our eyes on every single week because of what happened last year with him missing 13 games. You have to have him on some sort of a pitch count. Now, I know you don't want to limit it and, and just say that's the number and that's it because you want to be able to have him in, in certain moments of the game. But at some point, guys like Chuba Hubbard and Royce Freeman have to get involved. Royce Freeman came in for a play, uh, I believe it was maybe in the third quarter, and solely for pass protection <laughs> because yeah. that's what they brought Royce Freeman in for and he gave up a sack. So <laughs> I, I don't know what they've got to do to get him up to speed. Um, but, I mean, he that's what his strength is. He, he's a, a great pass protector. He can run the football. He's more than capable. Chuba Hubbard, I think he's just got to – he's he's got to get his feet wet. He's got to get that confidence in himself. If there's one guy I think that needs to get – a major boost of confidence is Chuba Hubbard. He just needs that one 20 to 30 yard pop. And I think he, you're going to start to see him have some more consistency because right now I think he's second guessing himself. He's hesitating too much. He's not really hitting the hole. He had eight, eight uh, 10 yards on eight carries yesterday. Some of that was on the offensive line, but some of that was due to him just being almost over patient and, and not just seeing what, you know, what gaps are open from the get go and just hitting them. So They've, they've got to figure out something in that running back rotation because you cannot have Christian McCaffrey have, you know, 400-some touches by the end of the year because that's the pace we're on right now. Yeah, and and I think I said last week that, you know, they paid him last they paid him last year, and he's like 25, so I didn't mind so much them using him as much as they did in the pass game and the run game, but I, I do agree that you can't keep the pace up with McCaffrey and expect him to be durable throughout the whole year, although he didn't play last year, so he's kind of got some yeah. – uh, you know, tread on those tires, but I, I'm kind of conflicted because on one hand, we already paid him big bucks for, you know, a running back to do this very thing. And honestly, it's kind of hard to take him off the field because even when the play's not designed for him, you know, like a pass play or something where he's not even in the route tree, he's the best pass blocker they have in the backfield in terms of picking up the blitz. He's fantastic at it. So I don't know where you get him off the field. And uh, I do agree with Hubbard. It, it feels like, yeah, he just needs like one pop to, 
kind of feel himself more feels he feels real tentative around the offensive line trying to find the holes and everything just some rookie stuff but uh it's probably hard for him because he's not getting a lot of reps because the best running back in the league is ahead of him and it's really hard to get in there and get 10 or 12 touches when McCaffrey is going to give you 150 yards from scrimmage if you just leave him in there the whole game so I, I feel it I'm not really sure what they can do about it um because right now honestly if McCaffrey is a top three, top four player in the league, in my opinion, he should be out there <laughs> like as much yeah. as possible. But I do see the whole other side of, you know, you don't want to wear him out or whatever. I guess the question really comes down to can you wear him out? You know, I remember when I was 25, it took a lot to wear me out. And I'm not a world class athlete like uh, <laughs> like Christian McCaffrey. So um, we'll see how this plays out. This Thursday night game, the Panthers taking on the Houston Texans this Thursday on NFL Network. It'll almost act as a mini buy for them, too. So uh, they'll have through the weekend and then, you know, through the week before they play again next Sunday. Um, so it kind of comes at a pretty cool time. I um, I didn't have a third takeaway. That was pretty much my two was that the defense is not good. They're elite. And I've, I'm sold on Sam Darnold. Still up there with Matt Rule, but he's winning me over every week. Uh, and if they can get the 3-0 and 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 then have a weekend where they can sit back and watch the rest of the league, I'll be pretty darn happy with uh, the results so far because no one predicted that they would be doing this. Uh, before we go over to around the league, wanted to uh, share some exciting news about Play Action Pools. Uh, our pod is partnering with PlayActionPools.com this season to bring some interactive fun to the sport we love the most. You'll be able to get in on all action with our PlayActionPools.com football pick'em challenge, which is open to everyone, not just uh, folks that believe, but the general public. So. This is what you do. You sign up for our contest, Believe Football Pick'em at PlayActionPools.com. Then you get your picks in each week. We're going to select the 10 highest profile games of the week between the NFL and college football. Whoever gets the most picks correct each week will win a pair of electric sunglasses and a pair of DC shoes. Go to PlayActionPools.com and sign up for the contest. That's Believe, B-L-E-A-V, Football Pick'em. And if you plan on hosting your own football contest, go to playactionpools.com today. They've got Survivor, Pick'em, as well as a cool sportsbook style concept called Build Your Bankroll. Playactionpools.com, your new home for all of your office sport pools. Um, around the league, let's uh, take a quick look here. What's been going on around the league? What's uh, Anything in particular you saw this week that uh, kind of made you go, oh, I didn't expect that to happen or... Um, you know, I, I don't know if there was, you know, this kind of, this week was pretty much, I, I think, kind of chalk. You know, I think everything that was expected to happen happened. Um, there was, you know, I, I guess I could say maybe one thing was the Steelers falling at home to, to Las Vegas. I really didn't think that would happen, but you know, this is this is maybe just kind of, you know, one reason why the Steelers may be getting ready to move on from Big Ben after a long run that he's had there, you know, being in two Super Bowls and um, or have has have won two Super Bowls. But I just think, uh, you know, Pittsburgh's kind of in a tough spot because I think they have the talent, you know, to some extent at certain positions, but they're not really, you know, they got off to that 11-0 start last year and everyone's, you know, thought that at some point they were going to collapse and they just never did and never did. And then it got to the end of the season, they finally collapsed. And I don't know that they've ever really responded since then. I mean, they they lost to the Browns in the playoffs. wasn't even a close game. Yeah, they won Week One, but I think Buffalo should have won that game. So really, they're lucky to be one on one right now. And I think the other one for me 
and this probably uh, pertains more to, to the folks probably listening to our show, is I think it is very safe to say that Carolina will not be in the bottom of this division, and that's not just because of their play uh, through the first two weeks, but my gosh, are the Atlanta Falcons bad. Like, Yes, they are. <laughs> I know they played Tampa Bay, but they almost hung up a 50-burger on these dudes. I mean, it is bad in, in Atlanta. And I, and I said this to one of my buddies uh, last night after the game. I said, I feel like the Atlanta situation with Matt Ryan is almost like Eli Manning's like last few years in New York, where you Ooh, just that's good. Know that it that it was getting ready to change, you know, to transform into a new thing, a new quarterback. You got a new head coach. Maybe Matt Ryan sticking around a little bit too long. I, it just feels like at some point they're going to give him that Eli treatment, and it, it's it's going to spell the end for Matty Ice. It kind of feels like looking at them from afar, they should have drafted Justin Fields at yeah. four instead of Kyle Pitts. They didn't need Kyle Pitts. He was just like a shiny toy that was sitting there. You already had Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley. Did you really need Kyle Pitts? <laughs> so it's like the defense was the problem, and it's continued to be. The Falcons are, are, are giving up 40 points per game. They've allowed 80 points in two games uh, so far this season, uh, and it's only going to get worse. Like they're – uh, clearly, their division is tougher than than maybe people thought at the beginning. With uh, the Bucks at two and zero, the Panthers at two and zero, and the Saints at one and one, but people kind of expect them to be around at the end to have some say in the playoff race in the NFC. Yeah, the Falcons might be on the clock for the number one pick of the draft next year. Um, they they are my because I had written down best two and zero team, worst zero and two team. I have the Falcons. That was the first thing I wrote down was the Falcons <laughs> uh, gave up eighty points in two games. It's just bad over there. I think they've only scored like 30 points or something, too. So they're only averaging like 15 points a game. Uh, the best 2-0 team, got to give it to Tampa. Uh, I don't know how, I don't know how long this is going to last. Um, <laughs> I don't know how long Tom Brady can keep doing this. Uh, but I'm getting tired of wondering when. Like, I, I assume it's going to just be like off of a cliff. Uh, and we'll find out. We'll find out if that applies to Aaron Rodgers tonight. Uh, if it's because usually when it happens, it's fast. Like when I think back to. Eli, uh, Kurt Warner, guys like that. When it, when it finally happened, it happened like quickly. Like it wasn't like a slow decline or anything like that. Peyton Manning, like literally, just kind of lost the ability to throw. Drew Brees, same way. Uh, and it and it just seems to, I don't know, for some for some reason, Tom Brady's not having that situation. But the Tampa Bay defense played lights out on Sunday, and their offensive line might be the best in football. And he's got enough skill pieces around him where he might have more people in his skill set positions than anyone not named Pat Mahomes. Um, I, they're they're just really good. Uh, so we'll see if they can keep this going. I'm kind of looking forward to Tampa Bay and Carolina. And just by a quirk of the scheduling, they're not even going to see each other till like week 13 or 14 or something like that. Like they play two of the last three games against each other, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. So this could simmer. If the Panthers are as good as we think they could be, and if Tampa's going to be as good as we all assume they're going to be, that could be something to keep an eye on as we go through the fall, uh, where by the time we get to November, Thanksgiving, December area, that could be a, a really huge marquee game in the NFC with like seating on the line. So uh, th- that was the, one of the things I took. And then I watched the second half of uh, this instant classic Ravens Chiefs game last night on uh, Monday night or excuse me, Sunday night football. 
And I'm, you know, what's funny as I watch uh, the announcers rave over Lamar Jackson and how he's able to do all these things. I've seen this movie before. Like Lamar Jackson is Cam Newton 2.0. Like he's literally having to do everything for this team. And I don't think I'm going to like the ending because it's only going to end one way. It's not going to end, you know, with him healthy and smiling with the Lombardi and all this other stuff. It's probably going to end with him being injured because he's having to literally do everything. Everyone around him is hurt. Uh, It reminds me of 2016 uh, for the Panthers where, they were kind of picked to be a, a Super Bowl pick. They just came off a 15-1 season. Uh, and then they played Denver that opening night, Thursday night football. And Cam got hit like four or five times in the helmet. And they never got on track. And injuries started to mount. And you could just kind of see the wear and tear of Cam basically dragging this football team. The three, four years prior, it started to catch up. And from that point on, I've always thought, Players like that, like Cam, that, that, that where they're making design run plays for, they're going to have like a three or four year peak period in the league. And then it's going to start to sl- start going down. I think we're going to see that with Lamar Jackson, too, unless they change who he is, which they have no reason to. So if that's the case, we're in year three of Lamar being at his peak. He's got this year and maybe one more. And depending on how much help the Ravens can give him, that might be it, in my opinion, Like because uh, the body's just not made to withstand this. He does get out of bounds and he does avoid hits where Cam would lower his shoulder and, and truck a linebacker or somebody. But Cam's got an extra like 60 pounds on him. So I kind of get that Cam's a bigger guy. But eventually, all this wear and tear in the run game for a quarterback, to me, it is going to wear Lamar Jackson down. I'm curious to see how uh, the Ravens take care of that going forward. Yeah, I do, too. I think that's that's a perfect example really with, with Cam Newton. I just, you know, Lamar Jackson, you have to give him some help. I know people kind of criticize him as being a, a not, not that efficient of a passer. I think he's a much better passer than what people give him credit for. But again, he, it's almost like he, you know, with Cam Newton, he didn't have, you know, the receivers, you know, that even Sam Darnold has now, with DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, he didn't have those types of weapons. DJ Moore was very early in his career, wasn't really polished yet. Right. Almost still here. Lamar Jackson's got the same issue. He doesn't have those guys available at the receiver spot. Rashad Bateman's out. I mean, you talk about their whole running back rooms hurt. So, I mean, I don't know what they need to do. Um, I think really this offseason, they need to go and, and make some moves, at whether wide, either wide receiver or maybe get a second really good tight end to go with Mark Andrews. They were in that play for Julio Jones, it seemed like, for a little bit. If they were able to get Julio, I think that would have taken away a lot of issues that they have offensively, but certainly not all. Yeah, that would have been great if they could have got someone like that. Uh, they, I mean, they've lost their top three running backs, like to season ending injuries. Their third string guys out like Lamar is the running back at this point. And I think that was the thing that that surprised me the most, because I I think I was watching watching TV or something or I went out for a bit, came back in and I decided to watch a show that I watch on Sundays. And I was like, I'm going to come back for the second half of of Chiefs and Ravens. And if it's not out of hand when I come back, then I'm going to watch the second half. And luckily, when I came back, it was the beginning of the third quarter and uh Literally, it was just them going back and forth, back and forth. It was a great game, by the way. Um, it's nice to watch a game that doesn't involve one of your actual teams and it's actually really entertaining. You got Mahomes on one side, you got Jackson on the other. And I'm not taking anything away from Lamar Jackson. I think he's a fantastic football player. And actually, I remember wanting the Panthers to draft him that year 
uh, that was actually the year we drafted DJ Moore and, and uh, Jackson was still on the board. He went 31st to the Ravens. In my mind, I'm thinking we can just continue what we're doing. You know, like Cam starting to be on the decline a little bit. Who better than have another Heisman winner and Lamar Jackson right behind him? And if that all that had happened, it's like Marvel's what if. If, if that had happened, I think Ron Rivera would still be here. Like, to be honest, Ron Rivera would still be here. Lamar Jackson would be the quarterback. And who knows what this this franchise would be. But um, that that was one of the things I saw from around the league, besides the Falcons just stinking up the place. Uh, it'll be fun to see them because I don't think they're going to get any better um, <laughs> between now and then. If anything, they might get worse. So uh, real quick before we get out of here, uh, thoughts on this uh, Texans game? I know there was a rumor going around that maybe Deshaun Watson – might actually have to play because uh, their their quarterback, Tyrod Taylor, got hurt on Sunday. But if I'm not mistaken, the coaching staff's already come out and said that that is not going to happen, that Watson will be inactive uh, regardless of the quarterback situation. Do you, do you have any updates on any of that at all? Yes. Uh, so from what I've heard is exactly that. I, it's that Davis Mills, the rookie quarterback, third-round draft pick out of Stanford, is is very likely to get that start. And they do not expect Deshaun Watson to even dress for this game. So – I don't that again. That could change between now and, and Thursday. Maybe they they spring it out on us on Thursday that Deshaun Watson roll, trots out and is starting the game. You know that would really shake up the Panthers' game plan. But that I would be that, nuts. I would not be happy with that. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that's going to happen. But um, but yeah. So you know, Houston very intriguing um, game here for Carolina because I think this is a game where they should win. They're they're heavily favored. I think seven and a half. Is the, is the point spread right now. I would expect that to maybe even hit double digits at some point uh, in the couple next couple of days. I just don't understand. I, I get it in some sense, but why is Tyrod Taylor being, you know, looked at as a guy that isn't capable of being a great NFL starting, not a great NFL starting quarterback, but a good starting quarterback in the league because everywhere he's been, He's been successful, whether it was Buffalo when he, he made the Pro Bowl and took them to the playoffs or, you know, he goes to, you know, L.A. He, he looked good at first until, you know, the doctor punctured his lung <laughs> and loses the job to Justin Herbert, which is a really yeah. weird way to lose your job. But um, and, and he goes out and wins week one for the Houston Texans, who were expected to be probably the worst team in football this year outside of Jacksonville. Um, so that that was an interesting, you know, I guess thing that played out over the last couple of weeks, I was really excited to see the the Panthers defense against Tyrod Taylor, but now they're going to get to go against a rookie quarterback that let's face it. Zach Wilson didn't have much uh, success against Carolina. I don't expect this kid either. He's going to have a heck of a day for his first NFL start. And uh, you kind of feel bad for him in a way. The one thing I want is there to be no letdown uh in this because now that the national media is starting to sniff a little bit around the panthers and everything's falling apart for the texans i don't want the panthers to get to a point where they they get too big-headed and think they can just waltz into houston into reliance stadium and just walk out with a win if i see the same kind of workman uh lunch pail type mentality that i've been seeing where it's like you don't know where the rush is coming from you don't know who's going to score the touchdown it's just like a collective team effort if I start, if I see that again in Houston, I'll feel even more better about uh, this Panther team and what's going on. I do fully expect them to win, and I actually fully expect this to be a national coming out party for this defense. Like I, I just have such uh, high 
expectations for this Panther defense now after two games, because now we've seen it, you know, we've seen what they can do. It's not a matter of us just kind of wondering, well, can they be top 10? Can they, I mean, there was a reason why we were saying these things in the summer because we were looking at the roster and we're like, yo, this, this has some potential here. If they, if they really can, you know, figure out everything. And I think they're ahead of schedule. Like, I don't, I don't even think the coaching staff expected the defense to be this good this early. So like you said, the beginning of this podcast, confidence breeds confidence and, that's kind of the kick the Panthers are on right now. Um, any last words before we get out of here for uh, an, a victory Monday here on uh, Believe in Carolina Panthers? Yeah, hopefully it'll be a, what, a victory Friday, I think. Victory Friday. That is the best kind of Friday. <laughs> <laughs> it's Friday, maybe coming off of a win. But, yeah, I, I'm expecting this to be, again, a win for Carolina. Don't be upset if this is a game where they look a little – sluggish if they barely eke this one out and win by a field goal. It's a short week. These things are hard to prepare for. That offensive line is absolutely beaten up right now. Pat Elfline's likely going to miss this game um, due to a hamstring injury. Cam Irving was a little inj- uh, banged up as well. Johnny Miller's still trying to come back from that COVID extent. So this is not going to be I- – I think that they they could win this game by double digits, but don't expect this to be an absolute blowout. Uh, one-sided, you know, game for Carolina. This is going to be a tight game, um, but I do expect Carolina to come out on top. They'll be three and zero. And if this was a normal week where they had a full week to prepare, I, yeah, th- this is a total mismatch. But with the short week, you just don't know what you're going to get. So it, at this point, it's just get your win, move on, get out of Houston, and start preparing for Philadelphia. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna predict like twenty eight to. Mm. 17 will be the final. Although this Panther team, they're the defense, they're only allowing like seven points a game or something crazy. So that would actually be crazy to see Houston score 17 on this defense. So yeah, I just don't want to say they're only going to score seven points or something. I just, I mean, they're pros too. So I, I don't really know if that's the case. It's not like it's Alabama going out there <laughs> to take <laughs> on somebody, but uh, I do, I'm picking the Panthers as well. I uh, hope we're going to have a victory Friday. We will put out another, uh, a new episode. So you're going to get, uh, a double dip, two in the same week due to the Panthers plan on Thursday. You should be able to get to that by uh, Friday, Saturday morning. Uh, so you'll have it through the weekend. So for Sports Illustrated, Skylar Callahan, I am Desmond Johnson. You've been listening to the Believe in Carolina Panthers podcast on the Believe Podcast Networks. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.